Chapter 11 That evening, as they sat at the tea table, Kay filled the others in on what had happened that morning after they had left for work. Mary gets up from her seat and goes and gives her grandmother a big hug. All eyes except Mary's are filling with tears. All is silent as grandmother and granddaughter squeeze each other so closely. Then Mary's grandmother picks her up onto her knee. I have a feeling I have to make the most of this, she said, as she smiled down at Mary. The teapot, the answer to everything in this home, was lifted again. Yet again, Pat breaks the silence. Mary, what can you tell us? Pat asks, getting excited. Do you know anything about me? Mary nods, no, but says nothing. Oh my God, am I dead? Mary nods again and says, I can't tell anything about your future, only the past. It might cause trouble. I'm so proud of my little girl, so proud of her. You, How have you gathered such wisdom at such a young age, Kay wonders? Mrs. Broderick takes charge of the conversation, asking Mary, What can you tell us, love? I visited my other granny when she was a child. It was different. I was inside her. Why do you think that was? asked her grandmother. She was so sad. Her mammy and daddy were in heaven. She was... Was, was she on her own? asked Kay. No, she was with her sisters, Sarah and Evelyn. Mary was now tucked up in bed fast asleep. The three ladies now tried to gather their thoughts. Any ideas how we may get her home, asked Kay. How did you get here? asked her ma'am. Ma'am, I left Dad as he was falling from the tree, said Kay. A moment of silence as they took this in. But Mary's not in anyone, asked Pat. We will write down the things we know about Kay and Mary's journey and anything I can recall about Granny Rachel. I'll write, said Pat. I don't know anything. So I will listen and write. They talked late into the night. I have an idea, said Pat. How about we let her fall? They are both looking at Pat as if she has lost the plot. Wait, let me explain. We will bring her to the beach and I'll drop her from the top of a sand dune. If she doesn't disappear, the two of you will catch her in a blanket. She's only a slip of a thing. We'll make a game of it. They're all looking at each other. It's uh, it's a long shot, but my leave is almost up. We'll give it a go on Sunday, said Kay. I can't believe I just said that. Now, waiting at the bus stop, 
Mary with a borrowed bucket and spade. They wait, full of nervous tension. Are you worried the bus isn't going to come? asked Mary. No, love, they all exclaimed together. They are all doing the over-happy thing now. At long last, the bus is in sight. Mary and Kay are now in the sea, splashing around and swimming. You swim like a little fish, Kay said, full of pride. She thought you are my daughter, Mary, cherry buns and all. Granny now wiping sand from Mary's hands as Pat has a sandwich ready to give Mary. Nobody has mentioned the plan, although it's all they are thinking about. After a while, Pat says, Do you remember the falling game we used to play as children? Kay looks at Pat before answering, Yes. Let's play it now, said Pat. Standing up, she shouts, Anyone want to play a game? In a moment, they had six eager children ready to play. Kay takes over. We're going to play the falling game. You run around. If Pat or I catch you, you have to fall back into our arms and trust that we will not let you fall in the sand. Pat falls back into Kay's arms. The children squeal with delight. An hour later, the children are still full of energy. Kay and Pat have no energy left. This is never going to work. They say goodbye to the children and flop back down onto the sand. Later, they pack up and head to the base of one of the sand dunes. Pat and Mary run up the sand dune. Pat squeals, holding both of Mary's hands at the top of the sand dune. Mam and Gran are going to catch you. They did. To Mary's delight, again she giggles. Next morning, as Kay stands deep in thought by the long window, Mary sits draw drawing at the table. Kay felt a sudden pull on her heart. She turns around and sees Mary is gone. The tears shudder from her body. She stands there for what seems like an age. Finally, she walks to the table and picks up the drawing, kissing it. She folds it, saying, I'll keep this safe till we meet again. That night, there was a long silence around the fireside. Kay had not even thought to meet up with the girls. Mary had occupied her mind and body full time. She would have to fix this straight away. I only have tonight and tomorrow, she thought. Patty will not forgive me if she finds out I've been home on leave and have not called on her. Looking at the clock, she gets up from the table, putting on her coat and leaving a note for her mam. She heads for Patty's house. Patty jumps for joy 
when she opens the door, she sees Kay and sees Kay standing there. Come in, come in. They headed into the kitchen this time. Her brothers were all out. There was a man Kay didn't know sitting at the table with Patty's mam. This is Sean. Kay, only the love of my life, smiled Patty. Sit down, Kay, sit down, said Patty's mother. When are you going back, asked Patty, pouring Kay a cup of tea. The day after tomorrow. I won't be in London, so no more long calls. God knows when I'll next get to a phone. I've been lucky, really. I know, you can't say anything, said Patty. Sean put his hand out to shake Kay's. I have heard about you non-stop, he said, smiling. I'm going to head off so you ladies can have a proper chat. He stood up and kissed Patty on the cheek before he left. I'm going to see what veg the grocer has so you can have the place to yourselves for a while, said her ma'am. Not to worry, ma'am. We'll end up in the bedroom anyway, said Patty. Tell me all about him quickly, Patty, said Kay. Well, he's the love of my life. You told me that already, said Kay, getting a little frustrated. He drives one of the joint cranes on the docks, so believe you me, he's doing his bit. On their own now, Kay said. Wow, he's a fine bit of stuff, Patty. You kept that one quiet. Did you not get me letter yet? exclaimed Patty. You know the army. I've been training for the past couple of months. There'll be a pile of letters waiting for me when I get back, said Kay. Training for what? Oh, it's okay. I know you can't talk about it, said Patty. Your dressing gown is famous. I can tell you that much. Everyone thinks after the war. You should come over to England and train. That's the closest I can come to plant an idea in her head, thought Pat, thought Kay. That ship sailed, Kay. I'm carrying a lovely little bundle. The letter was telling you we're getting married soon, in two weeks. I can't believe you'll miss it, Kay. Now we'll go into the bedroom and I will try on the dress and veil. Kay couldn't help crying as she gazes as Patty at Patty. Stop, Kay, no tears. I have made a dress for you, just in case you would be home by the chance and be my bridesmaid. The dress was blue bell in colour. Kay slipped it on. They both looked in the mirror. Your dress is wonderful. How did you get your hands on all that white lace? I haven't seen a dress finer, said Kay. I put an ad in a couple of shop windows in town, looking to buy a second-hand dress. Got lucky. Someone from Dublin 4 wanted to sell their dress. I bought it and made this bally-length dress. 
She would never recognise it as her dress now. Looking at the detail on the dress now, a wave of sadness passed through Kay. Patty would never get to work in Paris. Enough of this, let's dry our eyes and get out of here. We'll head for Bridie's first and then the three of us will head up to Anna and Tom's. She's just had her baby, a beautiful girl, Rebecca, said Patty. I seem to be missing out on a lot, said Kay. You're doing great work. We will be here when the war is over, said Patty. Patty, you know I can't say anything about my new posting. Promise me you won't worry if you don't hear from me very often. I will at some point get your letters, so please keep writing them. I've said more than I should. Patty nodded yes, and they both hugged for a long time. Kay, pulling away first, said, Let's get this show on the road. Bridie opened the front door and threw herself at Kay, gathering her in a big hug. So good to see you. We're going to see the new baby. Do you want to come, said Kay. Try stopping me, said Bridie. I'll just grab me coat. Tom opened the door and said, come in, come in. I'll make myself scarce. Too many women for me to handle. You go upstairs and I'll put the kettle on for a cuppa. I'll call you when things are ready. And the ladies can take over the kitchen. I'll head out for a pint, said Tom. Anne was at the top of the stairs calling them up. Kay, I wasn't expecting to see you. I'm so happy you'll get to see Rebecca. How long have you got? Just till the day after tomorrow. Give us a hold of the baby. They were all now squashed on the double bed with the cot. The room was very, very tight. Anne, you have a beautiful place. Thanks. Tom is so good with his hands. I can see that, said Bridie. Everyone laughed. Stop that, Bridie. I mean, he's very good around the house, said Anne. Looking at this little bundle, I have to agree with Bridie, laughed Kay. Just then, Tom called them down to tea in the kitchen. Pat wakes up early and sits up. Pushing back the curtain, she watches the dawn brighten the sky slowly. I have to say goodbye to Kay for a long time this afternoon and say hello to Paula again. Thank God I got to talk to Paul last night. He knew what not to ask, which took the pressure off the conversation. How will I get through this? I will just have to live day to day in trust and keep fear at bay, said Kay out loud. At the kitchen table, Pat and her mam are sitting talking and worrying about Kay. Do you think they're sending her to the front line? 
asked Pat. I don't know. At least we are blessed with the knowledge that we know she returns and marries and has a wonderful little girl. My ears are hot. Are you two talking about me, said Kay, sitting down at the table. The heart of an Irish home. Is that apple tart I smell, said Kay, sniffing like a gravy kid. Mam has made two, one for now and one for you to bring with you, said Pat. Kay leans over and gives her mam a hug. I didn't manage to get any chicken, but I cooked and pressed a cow's tongue for the brothers, and they gave us a couple of slices for your sandwiches, said her mother. Ma'am, if only you knew. Even the thought of your food keeps me going through hard times, said Kay. Kay stood up to make a pot of tea as Pat lifted the hot apple pie onto the table. I don't think there's a more homely smell, said Pat. Paula is now on the train to Cork, down in the south of Ireland. Kay takes the letter out to read it again. First step, get a train to Cork. I can take that box, she smiled as she sits and watches the fields fly by, autumn colours creeping into the countryside. I'll be in France for the winter. Hopefully it'll be a bit warmer than the Irish winter. I have to get myself to the bus station, about a 20-minute walk, where I will be met with by a guy called Tony, then we will travel to a place called Crosshaven. I will spend a couple of days readjusting to being Paula, get used to speaking French and German again. The train now pulling into the station, Cork the last stop on the line. Kay looks around to spot a local, catching up with a young girl. Hi. Can you tell me how to get to the bus station? The girl smiles at her and says, I have to walk past it. You can tag along with me, girl. I'm Maura. I'm Paula. Thank you very much. Where are you heading? Not a lot of petrol around here at the moment, so the buses are a bit dodgy, said Maura. I'm meeting with some friends, a friend at the station, answered Kay. Have you been here before? asked Maura. No, I'm looking forward to it no end, said Kay. They walked on making happy conversation. I'm about to join up. I can't wait, said Maura. Now full of questions about the army life. You might prefer to be a land girl. A friend of mine is and she loves it. The army can be very restricting if you're used to wide open spaces. It suits me, but not everybody, said Kay. I've had enough of the land. It's the army for me, said Maura. They said their goodbyes at the station. 
said they would keep an eye out for each other in England. Not much chance of seeing me in England, thought Kay. I'll have to be more careful. That was a big slip, thought Kay. When in uniform I must be Kay. Where, what are the chances of meeting up with a girl in Cork who's joining up? Hi, Paula, said a young man as if he knew her. Hi, Tony, so lovely to see you again, said Paula. They hugged then started to walk towards a wall with two bikes parked against it. As Paula looked at the two bikes, a feeling of horror passed through her. Looking at Paula's expression, Tony said, You can ride a bike. I'm afraid I've never been on one. Most people use roller skates to go around Dublin at the moment. If you're lucky, you can hitch it onto the back of a lorry and get to work in no time, laughed Paula, trying to make light of it. Pat had also had a bike. I could kick myself for not bothering to learn to ride it, thought Paula. Paula marvelled at the ease Pat had biked and roller skated everywhere. God, I hope he hasn't got roller skates, panicked Paula. I haven't the Never been on them either. Okay, said Tony. We will have you riding a bike in no time. Now first, you must get the feel for the bike. Ah, the saddle's too high. I will just take a moment to sort that out. He opened his bag and he had on his back, back of his bike, Taking out a little yellow metal box, he said, You can't go anywhere on a bike without one of these and a pump. Now, I will hold your saddle as you ride up and down here till you get your confidence. Paula was not a natural. It took quite some time. You're ready he finally announced. I will take your kit bag and ride so I can hold your saddle. So, you're, so you need not worry. I'll make sure and make sure you don't jam on the brakes. Everything nice and easy. They take off at a steady pace. Soon Paula is enjoying the feeling of freedom, not realising that Tony has long ago let go of the saddle. They stopped after about a half an hour, Tony taking hold of the saddle again, telling Paula to stop pedalling. They came to a slow stop. Tony said, we will walk for a while. Oh, my legs feel like jelly. Good job I have the bike to hold me up, said Paula. That's why we are walking, to give your legs a break. You're doing very well. Having to take on a long cycle first off is no easy task. We have time to take our e it easy, said Tony. How long, said Paula. We'll take it a step at a time, Paula. Paula did not like the sound of that. She was already saddle sore. 
Soon Paula had the walking rhythm back in her legs. After about 15 minutes, Tony guided them into a farm gate. As they parked their bikes, a young lady opened the back door and welcomed them. This is Kim. Kim, this is Paula, Tony said, introducing them. Nice timing. I have the kettle on. The boil, said Kim. Paula, we're in a safe house. It's good to know where they are. It's not likely that you'll ever need to use it, but it's good to know. Back out on their bikes, Tony said, I never thought I'd have to teach you to ride a bike. That was a big hole in your cover. Every young French girl uses a bike to get around from early childhood. Big rap on the knuckles for the training camp. We will be stopping off at three more safe houses. Four hours later, they were heading into a village called Carrigaline, where a man with a cart and horse met them. They put their bikes up on the cart. Tony gave Paula a help up onto the cart. Hi, I'm Ned Walsh, the lighthouse keeper. Hello, said Paula. And I'm hurting in places I didn't even know I have. Laughed Paula, trying to put a brave face in it. We'll sort that out pronto. I know a special cure. Ned winked at Tony. I'm not so sure I like the sound of that, said Paula.